Welcome to Story Tadpole. This is the podcast where I, Eric Grossman, share my stories. Now, it has been almost a month since I've recorded my last story. I'm sorry to my listeners, I was on vacation. If I could have brought my stuff with me and recorded, I would have. Um, Anyway, before I start this week, I have some exciting news. I have a Patreon account, so you can go to Patreon dot com slash story tadpole and it's a site that allows you to donate to the podcast if you like what you've been hearing now uh i have a new segment that i want to introduce called i haven't thought of a name for it yet but it's a segment where i just tell you about something that i've been thinking about a lot recently and this week that thing is walking backward walking backward walk walk back 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 backward I've been walking backward a lot because it's very different than walking forward. When you're walking forward, you're always trying to get to something, some sort of checkpoint or some place that's in your vision. That checkpoint keeps getting bigger and bigger and then you reach it and then you're there and it's done. But walking backward, you're not really trying to get anywhere. You're just looking out ahead of you and the things that used to be the checkpoints are getting smaller. And you're walking backward, relaxing, not caring. Now I recommend if you choose to walk backward, do so in a, in a field, an open place, where you're not going to uh, trip over a branch or something like that. Inle- unless you want the challenge, then go for it in a forest. Without further ado, this week's story is called In the Company of Drinks. And... It's about an experience that uh, someone has with a flight attendant. He said, may I offer you to drink to every passenger on the plane? We all interpreted his intentions. We assumed he was merely offering the in-flight beverage service. We responded with the normal things, sparkling water, wine, apple juice. He was not a native English speaker, Dutch perhaps. And how could we hold that against him? No, surely we couldn't ask questions. Couldn't ask him to clarify what he meant by, may I offer you to drink? That might be rude. But what if his intention was exactly what he said? Maybe he wanted to go the extra mile in his service. How can we assume that he did not intend to serve us up, body flung in a plastic cup on the rocks, to another customer, someone willing to pay a premium? He came down the aisle. Each passenger answered with his or her drink order. When it was my turn to answer, I told the man that yes, he could offer me to drink, but only if I could choose the manner in which I was offered. He told me sure, but said he had much diversity in his clientele. He said that some of his clients liked a puree, while others fancied just the distilled marrow. I said to him that this was acceptable, but only if I got to choose the food pairing that was to accompany the drink that I'd be made into. Sure, he declared that works, but then I get to decide the temperature of the beverage. I told him that of course he could choose the temperature, but only on the condition that I could decide how long the customer was given to gulp me down. 
He then said that my request was absurd, that he couldn't give his customers a time limit. I looked him dead in the eye, paused, then told him that fine. He didn't have to put a time limit on his customers, but only if I could force him to listen to the sound of me delicately wrinkling paper between my fingers in a black soundproof room for as long as I wanted, and that when we finally reached the point where the paper was soft and pliable beyond measure and so fragile that neither of us could help but admit we'd formed a sort of bond, or dare I say friendship with the paper, that upon reaching this stage I had complete liberty to rip said paper into hundreds of tiny asymmetrical pieces, light them on fire, and scatter the remains upon his head. He nodded once, curtly, straightening the tiny metal airplane wing pinned to his navy garb. He was proud to be a flight attendant, and why not? It seemed a good job. I agree to your terms, he said, straightening again the already straight airplane wings. He motioned in the air with butterfly hands, which I knew meant that he was committing to honor our future agreement. He nodded once more, curtlier than before, unstraightening and then restraightening his airplane wings. He looked around to see if anyone was staring, and upon noticing that many were, he shielded his lapel with his off hand and did a very large amount of concealed restraightening. Straightening. 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 What an odd word. We can see what you're doing, we all said. I know, he said, unknowingly. It was the start of a daring friendship between a boy and a flight attendant. We both got off the plane immediately after it reached the gate. He didn't stay to clean up. Perhaps it was the end of his shift. Perhaps he was not a flight attendant. He helped me get off the plane because I, by this time, was already in drink form. I had been mixed with OJ, and during a casual conversation the flight attendant had with a fellow passenger, I surmised I was being called a Zanzibar, which I guess is a decent name for a mixed drink. It was not a cup or a glass that I was destined for, but a bottle, capped and pressurized, the lid screwed on so tight my bubbles couldn't rise. I was fizzy. When had I become fizzy? I couldn't answer that question because I couldn't answer any question because it was hard to think because I was a bottled beverage. I could think enough, however, to be grateful for escaping the life of stale darkness promised to those who are canned. I recently learned that improper canning technique is the main cause of botulism. As a non-human liquid, I was immune to the effects of botulism but I wouldn't want to poison the person to whom I was served. Poking around, I found I still had my dignity. It was fully intact, right next to the portion of liquid that now housed my spatial awareness. I feared they would spontaneously disappear if I was swished too hard. Getting a swisher would be bad news bears. When we got off the plane, I asked the flight attendant if he was actually a flight attendant. He said no, and asked me if I was actually a person. I looked at my body. It was a bottle. My curves weren't in the right place. Not anymore, I said. We got to talking. He asked me how things were now that I was a drink. I told him that I felt naked. The bottle was clear. Anyone walking by could see my contents frothing to and fro. I told him that I felt trapped because even if I wanted to, I couldn't get past the cap. It was screwed on so tight. He said that he felt trapped too. A life of false flight attendantry isn't as glamorous as you might think, he said. 
People pay a lot of money for these drinks. The folks I work for would hurt the people I love if I chose to stop. Both of us laughed at our situations, but my laugh was silent, dampened by pressure. I wished he could have heard me laugh. I wanted him to know that he wasn't alone. No one deserves to feel entirely alone. Together we moved through the airport until we found a bar. This round's on me, he said, motioning to the barkeep. I'll have a whiskey sour, he'll have a... What do you want? He asked, looking at me. The bartender looked at me too. I looked at the bartender. She had an intricate tattoo of a fox on her shoulder. We both looked at the flight attendant. Oh shit man, I forgot drinking is kind of cannibalism for you, isn't it? I nodded by which I mean I stood unmoving on the counter. At least I'm not a wobbly bottle, I thought. We were both quiet for a while. Finally, he asked me who I was going to pick to drink me. I shifted uncomfortably, by which I mean I continued to be still on the countertop. I didn't respond. I was losing the ability to form words, to think in sentences. A lone bubble escaped from my depths and wiggled to the top. Was the bubble a thought? Was it speech? I could no longer tell. I felt small. He tapped my cap, he flicked my side. Hello, anybody in there? Any buddy. A N Y B O D Y. I barely understood that I couldn't understand. His tapping felt hollow, like he was hitting a faraway pipe in a faraway sewer. I could still hear the flight attendant, but just barely. I heard him asking our barkeep if she fancied a drink herself. I guarantee you've had nothing like it before, he said with a knowing smile. By the time she'd unscrewed the cap, I was gone. Nothing but a liquid that used to be a human, that used to be a toad, that used to be a blade of grass, that used to be a million other things, all of which curled snugly inside their bottles. Bottles of every shape and size, either cradling the child inside, towering above the prey it entombed, or choking the air from a soul trapped half in and half out. I smiled then, by which I mean I stood still on the counter until the barkeep lifted me to her lips. My final thought, at least as a drink, you get a bottle that fits. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Story Tadpole. The awesome music this week was written and performed by Daniel Birch and Kai Engel. I will put a link to their work in the uh, description for this episode. If you like the story that you heard, then uh, head over to patreon.com slash storytadpole and uh, donate to the cause. I'll be back next week with a new episode. And my fellow listeners, remember, when you have a chance... Walk backwards.